we're trying to create people who are a force to be reckoned with, who don't, who don't just know what they believe, but they know why they believe it. And they can defend it articulately, passionately, and without backing down. Not being a jerk, but certainly um, not letting down. Their truth and their core political belief is their religion. And they are so adamant and passionate and emotional about it because that is their God with a little G. God really pressed on his heart. You need to go back to the girl that you had that abortion with and you need to apologize to her and you need to apologize to her face to face. Fetus phobic is someone who is afraid of the natural consequences of heterosexual sex and is terrified of a preborn child, of a little baby. And I like to say that Roe v. Wade is the story or the court case everyone has heard of, but nobody knows anything about. Welcome, as I said, Dr. Alveda King to Feed Ace podcast. Dr. King, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jerry. And hello, everyone. Uh, Governor Walker, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Or great to be with you. I should say it's a pleasure for me to be here. I think Rush is doing that, too. And he's doing it at a time of COVID the crisis. And he is, he's basically saying, look, I may be dying, but I'm not dead. Father Pavone, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jerry. It's great to be with you and uh, with our viewers. But they have an objective. The objective is more tax money, more control, and a promotion of a political ideology. It's a pro-socialist, secular worldview Hello and welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. Hey, I've covered a, uh, a the topic of adoption and foster care uh, once or twice already and it is really such a great, great topic in part because I think that it's there's not enough known about uh, adoption and foster care, and it is so important and something I think we should know about. Uh, today, my guest is is Elena Davis. Elena is a writer. She is a writer and adoption and foster care advocate. Elena, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So what caught my attention was an article you wrote that was in um, the focus on the family, the organization focus on the family. And it was an article titled faith and foster care. When God asks us to do hard things. And, uh, it really, yeah, it caught my attention and I really love the article. And so that's why I asked you to come on. So I, I love, um, to, it was touching too, that the article was very touching. So tell my listeners, obviously I'll encourage them to read the article but tell everybody about this article and what prompted you to write it. Sure, absolutely. So we had already been fostering for about six or seven years. I've had many babies. We specialize, our home specializes in infants that come from the NICU that are usually drug and alcohol exposed. They may have endured some trauma in utero. And so we take those infants in, love on them, hope to reunify them with their parents, but that doesn't always happen. And so we had already adopted two kids we had two biological kids, adopted two kids, and DHS calls us with this little boy. And we say yes to a four-day placement. Well, then that four-day placement turned into a month and then two months. And then they came to us and said, hey, this little guy needs an adoptive home. And usually I fought so hard to you know, keep the babies because I desperately wanted, you love them so much and it's so hard to go home. So I usually was, you know, traumatized when they would leave. And yet here was one that they wanted to stay. And that's not normally the case. And so that was a really hard yes for me to go 
I'm already raising a lot of kids. One of, you know, some significant special needs. And then to take on another one, knowing that he had some diagnoses that would be, would be hard to take care of long-term. Hard yes. It, it was a hard yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and in the article, you, you could see your, I guess, your struggle uh, and the path you sort of went down. It obviously was a, you utilized the, your, your beliefs, your spiritual belief and the like to help you make this decision because you have, uh, uh, you, your point in here is got, well, one of the titles of the, uh, of, of a specific uh, paragraph is called God asked us to foster. So, I mean, do you, you know, tell us about that, the feeling of being either, you know, called if that's how you would describe it or feeling that you're being asked to do this by God. Absolutely. So rewinding, you know, about 11 or 12 years, um, we had two beautiful pregnancies, but the deliveries were really difficult on my body. And so we had to make that tough decision that, I mean, they told me I have 80% chance of death if I were to get pregnant again, and that the baby likely wouldn't survive just because of the medical complications we had with both of our biological kiddos. Cody and I, my husband, we had always desired to be an adoptive home. I come up come from a family um, of nine siblings. So there's 10 of us and three of them were adopted. So it's kind of always been, you know, a special part of our life. And that was our desire was to do an international adoption. It wasn't uh, God was calling us to it. It was just something we had thought, oh, we could do this. Why not? But then we began to look at the financial aspects of that. And again, our two births were extremely financially burdensome on our family. And so we kind of that door just circumstantially that this wasn't the route. So then we started looking into domestic adoption and even that financially was like, I, we can't do this. And as we prayed about it, the um, department of human services locally in our city was doing a campaign to get more foster homes to join um, their, you know, their, their pool of homes. And so there was buses, there was bench signs, there was billboards everywhere, become a foster parent, become a foster parent. And I just kept seeing them. And it's like, it wasn't like, a, oh, I noticed it. It was like, I noticed it. And it's like, heart was captivated by it. And I felt like the Lord was drawing us to that in his own unique way. I think he speaks, you know, obviously through his word, then circumstantially. And then with that, it was like, right in front of my face, every single so we took a year to become foster parents. It's a big step. It's, it's a lot of classes, um, CPR, first aid, home studies, interviews, psychological evaluations. And so even that, yes, was a big step for us. But then we did, we jumped right in. We got a placement only about 30 days after we were certified. And she's our first daughter that we adopted through foster care. So that came to you know, following the leading that this was a hard yes, but this is something we knew what we were supposed to do. Yeah, that's, that's exceptional. It's, it's, it's really cool to imagine the difference in the lives of the, those that are adopted by a good family versus what their life could have been. Um, so the, the child that you uh, fostered and uh, that you write this article about ultimately, you know, came from, and you write in the article, uh, that uh, it was known that the mother uh, was, as, as, as many of the cases and reasons for 
kids needing to be fostered had uh, looked like drug and alcohol issues, which ultimately led to him having issues, uh, some medical issues. Can you, uh, you know, describe that or take us through that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at the beginning of the case, I knew that, you know, the birth mom was arrested and he came into care because she had had um, an intoxicated moment. And so they put her into just a detox. And so I knew that, but then when he was about five months old, it was disclosed that mom drank like bottles of cough syrup and alcohol throughout the entire pregnancy. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, okay, you deal with those consequences. They heal, you move on. And obviously that's not the case, especially with alcohol. It changes the chemical composition of their brains, which changes their cognitive abilities. It changes their physical abilities. It changes their mental behavior all of that. And so after researching that kind of stuff, it was this heavy burden on me of love. Love can overcome things, but it can't change that. It can't change. He has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. He also has a brain malformation called Chiari malformation, which affects his fine motor skills as well as impairs um, some of his sleeping. He's not the greatest sleeper. And so those kinds of things that we became aware of and, you know, like I said in the article, God really had to work my heart and I relate it to looking at some of the people in the Bible that, you know, Noah's yes was crazy, you know, build me this giant ark. It's not raining, but I'm going to flood the earth and you're going to survive. I mean, that's a hard yes to look like a crazy person. And I think our family and friends might have viewed us as that, like, why are you saying yes to this? Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? And it's like, I did know. I didn't know. But my obedience is better than my sacrifice. And so following God, saying, Lord, I'll do anything, is so easy sometimes in our words, but in our actions, that's really where it comes to play. Like, God's not going to ask everyone to foster children, God's not going to ask everyone to adopt children. But sometimes God asks us to do insanely hard things that to other people, they question, why would you even do that? But no matter where your heart is at, you know, are you going to be obedient and are you going to say yes to hard things, even when it looks crazy and sounds crazy and people might not be on board with you? It's just, where's your heart at? Yeah, I, I loved your your example of Noah. And because I think it, it, I have to go back and read it, but I think it took him 100 years or something like that to build the ark. Um, <laughs> you know, I would struggle with being asked to do something for a hundred days. And here he was building a, uh, a, a massive ship when it wasn't raining. So yeah. It, and, the, and you also mentioned uh, Mary who was, who was told, Oh, uh, how about you just, uh, you know, conceive before you're married and, and it's going to be the savior. Oh, okay. Right. Easy. <laughs> but is that Mary pondered these things in her heart. Like God gives us that grace sometimes to think things over, to ponder things and to wonder. And there's, there's not condemnation in that, you know, we're human. He gave us these brains and these hearts and these emotions to work through things. And, you know, just a beautiful story of Mary saying, you know, I'm the Lord's servant. And like, that's a great example for all of us. Again, so whatever God has called you to, to just say, I'm the Lord's servant. Here I am. 
Yeah, and that's a, that's a, a such a great point because not everyone is called to be a foster parent or adopt. Um, what are some things if someone were to be listening and say, you know, I, I'm not in that position. It's not something I can do, uh, foster or adopt. But boy, my I, this is really great stuff, and I want to help somehow. How how can they help if they don't adopt or or foster? I got a list. Um, the first thing is one time we were out at Chick-fil-A and our son is Native American, so his skin does not match my skin. He's really a dark, beautiful child. And we were at Chick-fil-A and this lady came up and tapped me on the shoulder and I had had a really rough day. Nobody's going to know that from the outside, looking at us in this cute, you know, restaurant eating, eating together. And she came up and she just said, I don't know if it's foster care or adoption, but you have such a beautiful family and you're doing a great job. And like, even now it almost brings me to tears because when people recognize, hey, um, moms are doing a hard job, dads are doing a hard job, but when somebody can realize that from the outside and just encourage you, means so much. So I think encouragement is a big thing, whether you write somebody a card, whether you give them a $5 gift card for a Starbucks coffee or wherever, just to say, hey, I see you, I see the hard work that you're doing. I just wanna encourage you and say, keep at it. Um, another thing is foster care parents or foster parents do get a stipend, which in some states, it's a tiny bit of money. In other states, it's a little bit more. It's not enough to cover the daily necessities, diapers, wipes, bottles, all of that kind of stuff. Even asking a foster mom, hey, what's your greatest need right now? They might just say a hug, but they might say a Target gift card to get them some school clothes or some school supplies. Sometimes it's the tangible things that really could help the foster family just get that little bit ahead, maybe a gas card, um, and then prayer. I mean, prayer goes, you know, not as, it's not given as much credit, but I have a group from church and they pray for me monthly. They reach out to me monthly and say, hey, what needs can we be praying for you this month? And so to know that there's people backing me up in those ways is phenomenal. Absolutely. So I do have to ask in the, in the article, you say that um, uh, a book you were reading as you were discerning what to do, uh, that it, that it, you, it caused you tears and it, it changed your heart, uh, but you don't describe what it said. And so I was dying as I was reading this saying, what was this? So it's a book called, uh, by Bob Goff. Love does is what it's called. And you specifically mentioned chapter nine, you said chapter nine broke me. So could you give a sneak peek and then maybe people will go out and buy the book? Absolutely. So it's gonna, this book's gonna affect you in different ways and dip, dip, different chapters are gonna kind of get in your brain and in your heart and you're gonna ponder a lot of things. I actually, um, he has a second book out called Everybody Always, great book as well. Um, he wrote this chapter, chapter nine, Love Does, and it talks about just say yes. And I had been really struggling. My husband was on board, but I had been really struggling. What do we do with this little baby? Do we say, hey, I'm sorry, we can't. We're too full. We're too busy. We're too tired. Or do we say yes? And so I opened up the chapter on that day and I was just in that emotional state. And the chapter, again, it just talks about just say yes. And Bob Goff is being asked to be um, I can't remember the title of it, but I believe it's in Uganda, um, a special government position, a diplomat, I think it is, for the country of Uganda. And he didn't know, they had called him and he picked up the phone. He thought it was a prank call. 
And so he says, yeah, I'll do that. Well, a few months later, enough, he's this diplomat for Uganda and they're flying him and he's meeting these interesting people from these countries. And again, I think it's Uganda. I can't remember for sure, but just, just say yes. And so it was just this conviction of just say yes, see where this journey takes you and ride the roller coaster, enjoy it, knowing that at the end of my life, I can look back and say, hey, I said yes. I said yes, Lord, I'm your servant. Yeah, that's awesome. So if you want to find out if it's Uganda or something or another country, you got to get the book, uh, Bob Goff. Uh, it's called Love Does. So uh, check it out and, and let's verify what country it is. You're probably right. Um, so want to go into a slightly so we we had talked just for a quick second before we recorded and and you said well I'm I'm not really a writer I've written two articles and uh, but uh, certainly that makes you a writer right you, you have to be and you also wrote a second article and I I'd love to talk about that briefly it was also a heart-wrenching one and it's called um why and how to report child abuse uh, and you actually recount your experience with um, learning about the abuse of your adopted son's half-sister. Can you share that with us? Yes. So foster care is hard. Reporting is hard. But when you know that it's for the betterment of a child, I'll do anything for my kids to keep them safe and to keep them healthy. And so there's kind of this responsibility on us when you see something, when you hear something, even if you sent something to make phone call. It is not easy. You feel like you're, I mean, back in elementary school, tattletelling on something on somebody that you don't really know about, but it's the right thing to do. Um, so yes, our little guy, um, this is only, this is less than two years ago. He had another biological half sister that was born and I had seen her name in the newspaper for some drug situations. And so I notified a caseworker that had a prior case with us and just said, Hey, I want to, you know, share this information on this mom. I think this is something to look into. And I found out that the baby had been born and I called it in again. And I just said, Hey, I think you should, you know, check into this. The baby was born and um, DHS did go up to the hospital. Um, mom had planned her C-section. And so she knew when to be clean and when to kind of sneak under the radar. And I think that in. And then um, I bumped into grandma at um, the visitation center. We had custody of another little guy and I bumped into grandma and she said, can I talk to you? And so she told me the whole story of what the little girl had endured and just mortifying the, just the physical abuse. And then I'm sure there was emotional um, trauma as well and verbal abuse too. I mean, she was 10 months old and she can't talk. I got to see her two months ago. We met at a park with grandma and the kids got to play and she's older than two and still can't talk. And there's definitely some questions of, you know, what really happened in those 10 short months that biological parents. And that's a hard relationship too, having ongoing relationships with the biological families. That is very important to me. Um, there's always that line of safety and safety comes first for my kids. Um, and yet I want to maintain that they have a heritage outside of our family. They have, you know, our little list, he's Native American. I want him to know 
those pieces of his story and keep that alive for him, you know, as well as our other son. um, That's the grandma that I'm talking about, just keeping that relationship. So he's got the family tree. He knows medical information. There is an ongoing relationship with whether he has any questions in the future that we can say that we did connect and keep those relationships well and active. Yeah, that was that was really a, a tough one because uh, in the article you describe, and and I'll I'll actually make it uh, make it so the people have to go find the article to to learn more because it was really really well well written again, um, and actually you could find both of your articles on the website focusonthefamily.com. That's where you wrote them for who you wrote them for uh, focusonthefamily.com. And uh, you could find both of these articles. And uh, do you, do you uh, have a either a website or, or are you on Facebook or any social media that you're interested in people connecting with you on? You don't have to. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm on Facebook um, every once in a while, but it's Alana Even Davis on Facebook. And that's the only social networking I do. This is my heart is just encouraging people to, I want to pass the baton to somebody. We closed our home last week officially. Um, so we did it for 10 years. We closed our home and I do, I want to pass the baton to somebody and say, okay, it's your turn. You do a lap, you run the race and, and do it well. And you know, all for God's glory. Yeah, I guess. And say yes, right. That's, that, that's sort of your point. Uh, and so there's probably, yeah, there obviously are plenty of people out there that are maybe being pulled in the same direction as you were going through what you were when you first were, were being called, so to speak, uh, into adopting and, and the difference it makes in, in kids' lives is really incredible. Um, and it's okay to be called crazy. We have eight kids. They're all ours. They're, none of them are adopted and we're called crazy every day. Uh, so, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to be called crazy, I think. So thank you so much. Um, Alana Davis, uh, who is, you can find on, uh, focus on the You could also find her on Facebook as well. If you want to connect with her and, and, and ask her questions, um, she would be glad to. So Alana, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. It was great talking with you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. And, and thank all of you for uh, listening to this episode of Fides Podcast with Alana Davis, uh, talking about uh, foster care and adoption and the importance of it here. Again, please check her out and focus on the family. Check out Focus on the Family website in general. Uh, it's a great website, focusonthefamily.com. And please listen to all my podcasts on all the different podcast apps, wherever you get them. Uh, you could check out YouTube, Rumble, and I am on rightamericamedia.com Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, for some of my video podcasts. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time.